The last, the last three years have probably been the most um, challenging, the most unusual, certainly in my lifetime. Now, that's not as long as some people think. I was actually born at the end of the Second World War, not before it. <clears throat> but even though I've experienced many things over the years, I have not known three years like it. When we think back over the last three years, we've had all the, the division that was created and upset over Brexit, all that was going on there, the people, families were split, divided by Brexit. And then along comes COVID, comes this pandemic where we wondered whether we would ever get back to normal. I'm not sure what normal is, but whether we'd ever get back to whatever normal is. But we're, getting, we're on the road to that. But what a situation. Who would have realised a number of years ago that the world would have virtually stopped in so many areas of life, restricted, not, not being able to go out of your house? You know, you might have been in some countries where you might have thought that could happen, but we never thought that would happen here. So, so restricted in our social work, in our, in, our, in, our, in our social life and in our work. And now, just as we're kind of getting in, out, of, out of the pandemic, moving hopefully to normality, we have this war in Ukraine. An unjust war, the result of a dictatorial tyrant that not only threatens the peace in, in Ukraine, but really threatens the peace of our world. Peace throughout Europe, peace throughout the world. And then we come out of all this, or we're going through this, and now we're facing, in this country, an energy crisis and a cost-of-living crisis. And that's just the world issues that we've been faced with. We all would have personal issues. We would have personal challenges, personal things that over the last three years we've walked through. We've perhaps had financial pressures, relational issues. For those of you younger, concerns about exams. For some, maybe, concerns about whether you'd find a spouse or get the job that you want. So in the light of all this, it's quite natural for us to wonder what the future holds for us. What does the future hold? For many of us, it may be more than wonder. It may have moved into being fearful of the future, anxious for ourselves, anxious for our children, anxious for our grandchildren, anxious that we might experience the very thing that we fear. And it can be difficult to look to the future with any sense of peace and security they're becoming increasingly anxious about the world, what the future holds for us. So this morning I want to speak about faith for future grace. Faith for future grace. Although we've talked about something that's very close to our hearts right now, situations are going on in our nation, uh, 2,000 years ago Jesus was acutely aware of our tendency towards anxiety. And Jesus, in his most significant and exhaustive sermon, the sermon that we've come to know as the Sermon on the Mount, devotes a significant portion identifying and addressing this subject of anxiety. John Piper says, Anxiety is a condition that gives rise to many other sinful states of mind. 
Anxiety, a condition that gives rise to many other sinful states of mind. Now, as I pondered that statement, I thought, well, what are those sinful conditions? What are those things? That might be something to really open up and develop in home group this week. I just thought of a, of a few. Example about finance. That can lead us to coveting. Can lead us to greed. Can lead us to hoarding and even leading to stealing. Anxiety about relationships that can make us withdraw, to become indifferent and uncaring about other people. Anxiety about wanting to succeed at something. We're so anxious, we so want to succeed at that, that we become irritable and miserable. Anxiety. This, this can be a big one. Anxiety, how someone might respond to you. So worrying about what people might think of you. Wanting to impress others. And so as a result of that anxiety, you can move, it's, it's a danger to move us into telling lies, half-truths, giving information to impress, boasting in oneself. So it's an important subject for us to consider, not only because of the anxiety itself, but what it can lead to. And anxiety will attack our faith because fear and faith are challenging bedfellows. They are difficult to exist today. They don't mix well. It's difficult to be feel fearful while still exercising faith. Now again, I'm not talking about our faith in Christ and our eternal destiny, but to have faith in the promises of God that will help us walk through our life on this earth. Faith in the promises of God will attack and drive out fear and anxiety. So let's turn this morning to the Sermon on the Mount and read from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read from verses 25 to 34. <clears throat> Therefore, this is Jesus, remember, saying this on his Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you, you will drink, nor about your body, <coughs> excuse me, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, would he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Comforting words, this. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's not difficult to see in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount Jesus' concern about us being anxious. And at the root of his discourse on anxiety, Jesus declares in verse 30, 
O you of little faith. Jesus is saying here that the root of our anxieties is an inadequate faith in God's future grace. We sing, and we're going to later sing Amazing Grace. I love Amazing Grace. I said to the band, I think we should sing it um, black gospel style. You up for that? Uh, Tom was playing it earlier that way, so I think, Tom, you've got the the approval. We sing this wonderful song, Amazing Grace, and in one of the verses... (coughs) that we sing, it says, its grace has brought us safe thus far and its grace will lead us home. The reality is that we all live between these two lines of amazing grace. The first line, its grace has brought us safe thus far. And this awareness empowers us for faith in the second line, its grace that will lead me home. And when we believe and have faith in the second line, we are empowered to live with faith for future grace. See, it's so much easier, isn't it, to recognise past grace or even, even present grace, to be secure and rest in future grace, not knowing what the future's going to be. We want to work it out. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in, 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 in uh, uh, Ukraine and the rest of the world? But Jesus here in Matthew 6 is exhorting us not to be anxious. And he gives us promises to trust for future grace. John Piper says this, in in broadening our understanding of grace and faith, he says, by grace I do not merely mean the pardon of God in passing over your sins, but also the power and beauty of God to keep you from sinning. By faith I do not merely mean the confidence that Jesus died for your sins, but also the confidence that as Romans 8 verse 32 says, God will also, with him, freely give us all things. Faith is primarily a future-orientated assurance of things hoped for, which we see in Hebrews 11 verse 1. See, when, when unbelief starts to reign in our hearts, anxiety, there's enough things around us to cause anxiety. Unbelief will be the trigger. Unbelief in the promises of God will start to raise its head and fear starts to reign in our hearts. I want to see is the connection between our anxiety and our unbelief. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12. He exhorts him to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul knew for Timothy this is going to be a significant battleground. And so it is for us today, isn't it? Do you find yourself fighting faith. It's a good fight. It's something we should, we should do. Or just allow things to pass over, but fight the good fight of faith. Throughout scripture we see an emphasis on taking action against the unbelief of anxiety. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, when I am afraid, when I'm afraid, what do I do? Get depressed? Go to the pub? Go and do stuff that would take my mind off it. He said, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. I notice the Bible doesn't say, I never struggle with fear. But it does say, when I do this, this is what I do to battle against it. This is the fight that I'm going to do. This is what I'm, I'm going to put my mind and exercise my will to. See, the Bible doesn't assume that as, in, as Christians, we will never be anxious. 
All of us at some time or other will experience anxiety. But the Bible does tell us how to fight our anxieties. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, we're encouraged to cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Well, it's a good thing to do, isn't it? Good thing to do. No. Why? Because there's a promise. He cares for you. He cares for me. He cares for each other. That's why we can cast all our anxieties on him. Not, you notice that just little words sometimes in scripture are very important. It doesn't say cast some of them. All. All your anxieties on him. Again, it doesn't say that as a Christian you'll never feel anxious, but it does say that when you have them, to cast them on God. And our response to those who are struggling with anxiety, because that'll be all of us at some time or other, we go through different stages in our lives, should be more or less, well, you know, that's normal. Not making one another feel we're, we're failures of Christians because we wow, trouble this brother, sister, you need to you just have more faith. That might be true, but we need to understand, first of all, that's more or less normal. And not a simple, oh, get over it. Or an old expression that some of you may have heard many years ago, let God, let go and let God. Those sort of expressions. These, these type of remarks that are not helpful. Not helpful to the person who's going through anxiety. Our role towards each other in these times is to help us how to fight the battle against the unbelief that fuels the anxiety that we're going through. The answer to fighting these anxieties is by fighting unbelief and fighting for faith in future grace. And the way we fight for future grace and fighting the good fight is by reading and meditating on God's promises and his assurances for future grace. As we meditate, it's not just a case of reading, but God wants us to meditate. It's something I fail to do I don't do enough. I can read and then go on. But I need to meditate. The scriptures, the psalmist talks about meditating. Meditating on God's promises and his assurances for future grace. When we're going through those times of anxiety, go to the, the word where there are promises for us. It's probably not the portions of scripture that uh, exhorting us to do all sorts of things in the way we live. Go to the promises of God. First of all, as Paul does in all his letters, always talks about what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done in us before he goes on to say how we should live. But as we do that, as we medit- read and meditate on God's word, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring these truths, to bring these promises alive. The Holy Spirit, one of the major works of the Holy Spirit is to bring revelation so that when I read these words on a page, it comes off the page and it, and it, and it sets me free. You know, often we say, we use the, tru- the, 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 uh, uh, the scripture, know the truth of the truth will set you free. But it's knowing truth. Just reading from the book, from the Bible, doesn't necessarily, there's lots of people who've read this book and haven't got truth. And that's where the Holy Spirit can help us because 
it, the Holy Spirit helps us to see this truth. That's why when I so often we pray for illumination of the word. We need to have a revelation of the word. So the word and the promises become real, not just in our minds alone, but that, that promise, that truth grips our very hearts. It grips our hearts. Not so that, and please don't misunderstand it, that we, we, we confess just in a parrot fashion. Now, I'm not saying there's, it's not wrong to, 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 to remember Scripture. But it's more than just remembering Scripture. It's Scripture that lives with inside us. It, it changes us. It affects us. It becomes a promise that we can put our confidence and trust into. Made alive by the Spirit of God. And this morning in this passage we've just read, we see in these ten verses, six references to anxiety with seven promises that Jesus gives to help us fight unbelief and fight anxiety. He uses the example here of anxiety about food and clothing, anxiety about financial provision, and anxiety about getting old. I don't know why anybody would worry about that. <laughs> so let's briefly just run through these seven promises. Promise number one. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The anxiety regarding food and drink and clothing needs is met with Jesus bringing an eternal perspective. Not just dealing with the, 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 the kind of now situation, but the eternal situation, stressing that our, our lives are more than food and the body more than clothing. But if Jesus wants to draw attention, first of all, to an eternal perspective, so that no matter what happens in our life here on planet Earth, God will raise our bodies, that he will preserve our lives, as Psalm 121 says. Psalm 121 says, he assures us he'll watch over our lives. Actually, the, the, the word life there really means soul. He will watch over our souls, both now and for eternity. Jesus wanted to bring an eternal, I believe, perspective to that. And then in promise 2, verse 26, look at, the, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. If God provides for such insignificant creatures as the birds of the air, you know, I, I thought as I, I wrote that, I thought there'll be some people who'll be worried about talking about birds, and especially if I move into dogs and, and other areas of being insignificant creatures. There's so many dog lovers. But he's bringing, he uses birds of the air, so we won't use dogs. Jesus is wanting to encourage us that we are worth so much more. We are worth so much more than our dogs or our cats or our budgerigars or whatever. So we can trust in God's provision for us. Promise 3, verse 27. And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? This almost is it's kind of a bit of a promise, but it's, it's a bit of a rhetoric a rhetorical question because we now all know how ridiculous the answer is do we Jesus thought it was that ridiculous why would he say it of course by being anxious we kind of add to the length of time we live on this planet 
However, as I was thinking about this, I do believe continued anxiety, living in anxiety, can affect our health. And that in turn may affect in God's providence and sovereignty how long we might live. But he's trying to bring in, why are you worried? Why, again, getting old. Getting old. You, you know, my time, your time will come when it comes. There is a time for us. It's trusting in God, knowing, knowing the best for us. Promise 4, verses 28 to 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Jesus is saying, again, compared to the flowers of the field, which God looks after, we're much higher priority to God. For us, unlike the flowers who are alive today and then thrown into the furnace... We are God's children in God's church and destined for an eternal life of fellowship with God. We are not going to be discarded. We may go into the ground, we may go into a furnace. But that's our outward tent, our bodies. Our souls were not. We're destined for eternity with God. So if God cares for the flowers and the grass, how much more will he care for his children who will live with him forever? Promise 5, verses 31 to 32. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or drink, or what, sh- eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. It's great to know. Jesus was recognized. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He knows. He's not ignorant of our Needs. He's not just the creator of all things, but he is our heavenly father, wanting, as we said earlier, to care for us. And Jesus, through these promises, I believe, combines compassion and wisdom. He shows God's heart. He, he, he understands. He knows that you need them. He knows our needs. He knows these things, and therefore he understands. But there can be a tendency to... Be anxious when the supply is threatened. When we are faced with the things that we need or the things even that we want is threatened, that's when we can become anxious. And this leads us on to the next promise, promise six, verse, promise six which is verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If any of you have received uh, a wedding card from June and I, it's a scripture we always put on. Seek first in your life, in your marriage, in your home. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus here is recognizing and needs draw us into a context of priority. If we seek first his kingdom, we give ourselves to his cause, he will ensure you will have all you need to do his will. You know, over the years, I've seen this time and time and time and time again, where people have given to the Lord, given to God, God has cared for them in these needs, in a variety of ways, all sorts of ways it's happened. He will give us, he will assure you have all you need to do his will. 
Promise 7, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Reading J.C. Ryle speaking on this verse, he says, We are not to carry cares before they come. We are to, to, to attend to today's business and leave tomorrow's anxieties till tomorrow dawns. We may die before tomorrow. Now, this is not in his quote, but it is going to be true for all of us. There will be one day. I say to June every, every morning, I thank God for giving me this day. There will be one day I won't have. But, but there will be a day. We don't know when. We know not what may happen on the morrow. The only thing we may be assured of that if tomorrow brings a cross, if tomorrow brings something that's a real challenge to us, he who sends it can and will send grace to bear it. I love that. I love that. And, you know, that whatever happens, whatever is going to happen tomorrow, whatever is taking place, he who sends it can, whatever it is, can and will send grace to bear it. I don't believe there's anything, any situation that God's grace cannot meet. However difficult, I trust in God and his word. And I do believe that whatever comes my way, he will send grace to bear it. it was, it's interesting. I, I've, known, I've known people over the years who perhaps have been um, uh, diagnosed with cancer. And so fearing death. And un, un, understandable. And yet... I've lived long enough with those people to the time they died. They didn't fear. They had, they had the grace at the time to face that situation. And they went in peace into the presence of their Savior. You know, sometimes we, we could look ahead and we think, I want grace for that. Well, if, it, if that comes, and death will come to all, God will give us grace. So my logical way of thinking, if I haven't got grace for death right now, it probably means I'm not going to die. So you can think. <laughs> but as I said earlier, there is a tendency for all of us to want to know what the future holds and to become anxious about how, if things went in a particular way, how would I cope? How would I cope if, if this happens? How would, how would I cope? What happens now if, if the whole war with Russia es escalates? How would I cope? How would I cope if I was in Ukraine right now? How would I deal with that? How would I cope if my spouse or my child or my parents were diagnosed with cancer? How would I cope? But you see, looking forward, there is a grace for that now. The grace comes when we're there. The grace comes when we're in that situation. And so Jesus is saying, don't worry and become anxious about the future. There will be troubling situations ahead. He's not saying there won't be trouble. But we will receive grace at the appropriate time. The reality is there will be for us future grace. Now, that might seem a simple thing. Speaking about faith for future grace, and that's what will bring us peace. But even if we don't have faith for future grace, there will be for the believer future grace, which is a glorious thing. There isn't anything that will come our way where God's faithfulness and steadfast love towards us will not result in us receiving God's grace. But the issue for us today is that 
Can we find rest? Can we find peace in faith for future grace? To be in that situation where we actually have faith that we know, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to become anxious about that. Because whatever comes, I believe God will give me grace. He is a faithful God. We've been singing this morning about his steadfast love. Isn't it wonderful to sing about God's God, I, God said everlasting, steadfast, if you want the Hebrew, hesed, love. It means God's covenant love. We just give one another love. God wraps his arms around us in love. It's covenant. He cannot break it. We're held into his covenant love. And so the issue for us today, can we rest in faith for future grace? to believe that God's provision of grace will meet every need that we come to face in life so that we can be free from anxiety today. Paul learnt this lesson when he writes to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 6. He, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He is saying again when troubles arise, he's, remember, Remember when he writes to these, these, sometimes I think we forget the Bible essentially in the New Testament is written to Christians. It's to us. And when we, he's, again, he's saying, you know, that, that when you have these situations, he's not saying you won't have them. That's a false teaching, you know, this better roses for Christians. But when they arise, go to God with, let your troubles and your anxieties be known to God, which again I find interesting because, you know, God knows before we even come with them. He knows our anxieties. But what he wants us to, to, to so uh, come to him in prayer, in acknowledgement that he, he knows, acknowledgement that he cares, acknowledgement that he will give us grace. So when you pray, not first for the external problem to be removed, but you would receive grace in the time trouble in the thing that causes the anxiety you see for me so often the thing that causes my anxiety I want to pray God remove that which could be difficult because it could be someone <laughs> God remove them. but it, 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 I want to see first of all if I'm, I'm sick Lord heal me whereas really it's Lord give me grace as you do whatever your will is. Would you give me grace? I so want the thing to go away. God says, I've given it to you. This quote earlier about, from J.C. Ryle. He will give us what we need in a time of trouble. And in, the, in verse 19 of the same chapter, Paul says he gives, he gives God's promise of future grace. He says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Know all your needs, not all your wants, all your needs. When we live in the promise of future grace, it will become harder for anxieties to survive. God's riches are inexhaustible. And we, when we exercise faith in future grace, we will become less fearful about the future. The reality is today, the only life that we have left on this planet it's in the future. Our life and the past is gone and not even God can change the past. 
But God so desires that we move forward with the hope for his future goodness and his future peace and his future joy. And this can be found when we have faith for future grace. Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's important that we see that it's grace that has given us a place in God's family. And that because we are in his family, God will complete the good work began in us. Paul Tripp says, There is much we can be concerned about, but not these two things. One, his love never fails. And two, his rule on your behalf is eternal. You know, I was reading this morning in the, the, this morning's passage for New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. Can I, can I just encourage you? I said, I, I don't normally promote books too much. I love this book. And the reason I love it is because virtually on every page, grace, 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 grace. He says, this was in this morning, I hadn't prepared this. He says, anxiety is forgetting God. I thought it was interesting. Anxiety, forgetting God. Maybe you've forgotten who you are in Christ and what you have been given. So maybe you're experiencing anxiety. Maybe you're fearful because you see all the potential troubles that may come your way and you're trying to know what you can never know. We can never know. But we can respond to Christ's exhortation and promises in Matthew 6 and elsewhere, fighting the good fight of faith, trusting and believing in the truth that God always cares and that he will complete the work he has begun in you. Spurgeon, our friend, dear Mr. Spurgeon, commenting on grace and faith, writes, We shall bring our Lord most glory if we get from him much grace. If I have much faith, so that I can take God at his word, I shall greatly honour my Lord and King. Isn't that something as those who have been saved, those who have been saved by grace, those of us who have been adopted into God's family, don't we want to bring God glory? Isn't that the passion of our hearts, to give him most glory? And we get it from him when we receive much grace. Look at the subject of grace. All Paul's letters start and end with grace, 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 grace. But if I have much faith so that I can take God at his word, that's what it means, I shall greatly honour my Lord and King. Even when we don't have faith for future grace, there will be grace in the future. But Hebrews wants to leave us with this. Hebrews tells us with Out faith, it is impossible to please God. But when we have faith for future grace, we please, Spurgeon is saying, and honour our Lord and King. And by fighting the good fight of faith, we can become free of anxiety. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning 
for past grace. It is grace that's brought us safe thus far. But Lord, we pray that we would have faith for future grace. That we would find our rest and our peace and our joy in simply day by day, each day, trusting in you. Having faith for the future, whatever that future may bring. We know that we are your children. We, are no, we know that you've called us to be into your family and you are the sovereign one in control who will complete, complete, not the work, the good work that you've begun in us. So Father, give us grace to believe in future grace. To grow in faith, in our faith in, our, in the promises that you've, you've revealed to us in your, your holy word. That, Lord, we may be experience less and less anxiety. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.